Amen. All right. So I had last Sunday off. I was in uh, Denver, and Carrie did an incredible job. I got to go back and listen to the message. Many of you, again, are like, she's awesome. Have her do it more. You could tell her that when I'm here, but you don't. Um, so just, just today's going to be a little bit different. We are, we are in the midst of wrapping up a series that we've called Love is the Movement, and I want to share some scripture with you, but I, I really want to tell you a little bit of the story, and, and many of you have heard parts of this, but maybe not the full extent of what this transition of buildings has looked like for us. And, and if, you've, if you're kind of newer to new community, this will be fun because you're going to get some of the history. Um, if you've been around for a while, we're going to relive some things. And, and so I want to give you some details. And then I also want to just take like five minutes at the end of kind of telling this story to let you ask any questions you're wondering about. Because I feel like sometimes we're just, we're trying to rush and get through it. And I want to give space for that. But I did want to just fill you in logistically. I don't know if you know this. You, you probably don't care as much as I do. Um, we are 362 weeks into our journey as a church. That's, that's how far we are. And we, we're excited because we have not died yet. That's, that's what I am just, I mean, like, period. That's, that's it. We started on July 1st of 2012 on the back porch of the house that Carrie and I now own. We'll, we'll own it in like 25 years. Um, how many of you were there that day? So one, two, three, four, five, four, four, four of the 30 were there. So our attrition rate is terrible. Um, and then from that porch, we moved South Buchanan Mission Church. If you know Pastor Ed Lather, they opened up their doors to us and said, you guys are outgrowing the house. Why don't you come and meet in our youth room for a little bit? How many of you showed up at the youth room? That was the place where you started engaging. Awesome. And then uh, we kind of outgrew that. And in our process of church planning, I thought I was going to sit down and be all formal. I can't sit and talk about this stuff. We had what we called three preview launch services. And so when you, la- when you plan a church, you basically do a once-a-month uh, launch service, a preview service. And that's where you're kind of challenging your launch team, your core team, to invite as many folks as they can to get them there, to let them be a part of that. So in October, November, and December, we met at Buchanan Upshur Middle School. And I remember every Sunday night, my truck loaded with the sound equipment that we had. It was not as cool as what Jason has gotten us working with now. But I would load the truck. I would go into the, the middle school early, and I would lift those stupid gum sticky cafeteria tables. They are so heavy. I still remember this. And we did that once a month, uh, and then we would meet there every Sunday night for our launch team meetings. And here's what happened. About a week before our third preview service, I got a call from the school board, and they said, hey, you guys have been great. We need you to leave. Like, that was, that was literally the conversation. So we once again, this was three spots in six months, house, South Buchanan Mission, if you're tracking along, and middle school. We had to find a new place to meet. And my dad said, I was talking to this guy over horse manure. Literally, he runs the VFW, and they have space to meet. I said, the bingo hall. He said, yeah, the bingo hall. So we ended up in the bingo hall. Now, what felt to me was that we were at the bingo hall for about eight years because the setup and teardown was so intense. How many of you came at the middle school first? Middle school first. Sorry, I skipped that one. Awesome. How many of you came at the bingo hall? That's where you started to engage. The few, the brave, the smoke covered. It was just our kids met in the bar. Like, they sat at the bar. And the first week we were there, one of our kids town leaders broke an antique Budweiser glass mirror. Yeah, I know. I was like, Jesus didn't want it here. I don't, I don't know. So, but actually, we were there, and I think we were there actually for maybe like six months. It wasn't really that long. And then in August of 2013, we moved into this building. So we have been here, believe it or not, five and a half years. Five and a half years, which 
feels like 25 because it's cold in the winter. There's buckets, right? (laughs) But I want to say to you, well, let me ask this. How many of you started coming here to this building? Probably the rest of you. Okay, yeah, that's kind of how that works. (laughs) Let me ask this question. How many of you would say, and, and, and I'm not going to put you on the spot, I'm not going to make you talk, but how many of you would say you made a commitment or recommitment to Christ in this building? Awesome. Look at this. This is amazing. Can we celebrate that? Church, we need to clap when that happens because this building, this building has been incredible. We've seen people come to faith here and God opened doors and, and we loved it. I remember the first week we walked in and we kind of went, we want this building, we're going to be here. It's so nice. That's what we remember saying. It's so nice compared to the bingo hall and we don't have chairs. What are we going to do? And so we, we kind of did this thing to, to buy about 180 chairs and I'm telling you, the money came in in about a week and a half. It was, it was unbelievable. The building has also been challenging. You guys recognize that. We have for five and a half years not had handicapped accessibility at all. We've never had that. We've got warriors who fight their way up the steps. I love that. But we've never had handicapped accessibility. It's cold. It's wet. It's, it's been a struggle. So here's what happened. In the summer of 2015, many of you know, we purchased property across from the high school. We purchased a 10-acre farm. Um, and and I, want, I want to celebrate this with you. We have paid off half of, that, half of that purchase price in three and a half years. Well done, church. Celebrate that. The rent of the, of the house on the property, David Smith, who works with Young Life and our youth here, David Smith lives in that house right now, and the rent from that house pays more than the mortgage payment each month. So everything that you've given has gone directly to pay that down, and we are over halfway there. We purchased that property for several reasons. One, we knew we needed out of this building. We've known for five and a half, well, about five years. Six months, there was that honeymoon phase. But we've known for five years that we needed out of this building. We've known that. We could not find rental property. Basically, every three months, I would call realtors and I would say, hey, do you have anything for us? And what they would say is either, yes, there's a church on such and such a road in Upshur County that I don't know where those are. And I would look at the thing online and it was like 20 seats. It was just, it was not going to be what we needed. Or I would call places that were big enough for us, places that were maybe unconventional that were available and say, is there anywhere we can rent? And the prices were just unbelievable. I I called, uh, well, most recently, I called up by where Tractor Supply is, talked to a property owner in Ohio, and he said, no, we don't rent to churches. Our tenants don't like them. (laughs) Okay, and so I put my phone away for three months, and literally, I would do that about every three months because we knew we, we needed out. The tension was this. We purchased property. We were excited about that. We are excited about that property, Because we thought someday maybe we can build there. We can see what that looks like. As most of you know, the cost to build is absolutely unbelievable. And so there was this tension of thinking we want, we have to have permanent space. This is the best option. We got a great deal. It was a good investment as a church. But how far away is this going to be? Because we committed to you guys from day one. We aren't building a single brick until that land is paid off. I've seen it split churches. I don't want that. And the other tension for me was this. I think it's really easy for a church to start building its own territory and get distracted from the territory that God has called us to take back from the enemy. Amen? And so there was this tension. I'm just speaking really candidly as, you, as your pastor. There was a tension for me of wanting to build, wanting to be in a permanent space because we needed to be out of here, but also going, how many meetings will I have to sit through discussing the color of the walls and the type of carpet? That's honestly what I thought. I don't want us to lose the vision of that. 
And so always in the back of our minds as a leadership team was going, God, if you open the door for something else, we'll see what happens. So here's what happened the past seven months. This is only a four-hour sermon. You're going to be fine. Um, July through September, and many of you will remember this, I invited you as a church in a sermon and, and through emails and our communication to join with us in a time of prayer and fasting. Many of you signed up for that. We were sending out kind of weekly communication saying, here's scripture to reflect on. Here's the, and basically I had hit a point, much of that call came out of frustration of going, where are we going to be? What is going to happen? It wasn't just God give us a building. It was God call us deeper in you as a church than we've been. And so for about two months, there were, I think, about 15 people walking through this season of prayer and fasting, fasting once a week or fasting once a day and praying together and seeking this out. And so here's what happened. Nothing. (laughs) God said, be still and know that I am God. And in November, I had a tooth surgery. It was awful. You don't have to laugh. You guys are so non-compassionate. And as I'm literally on the couch recovering from that, I get word, hey, the guy that owns Butera has bought your building. Okay, three landlords in six months. We'll see what happens here. And as I'm on the couch the next week because we got the flu, he calls and says, we want to put a restaurant in the basement of your building. It'll be fine, they said. It'll be okay. I said, okay, we'll lower your rent by half. It sounds great. Let's do that. And then... You guys saw what happened downstairs. So December 30th, we did not have a service. We gave our volunteers that week off, and I came in, and the basement was, was redone. And we knew, again, we needed to get out of here, but we still had no options. And I had heard that, well, Audrey's is, is closing. And so this, that week, I called a man named Dale Darnell. Now, I'm praying that you guys are going get, to get to meet Dale because I love Dale. Dale's uh, becoming a really good friend of mine. And Dale owns that block of buildings where we are moving to. So he owns the Audrey's building uh, and then the two banquet halls beside it. Our leadership team on Thursday of that week went to see the restaurant and went to see the banquet halls. And we fell in love. I think I told you all we were walking through and he's showing us all the fine details of the building. And I can tell you so much about that building now, you're just going to be blown away. But I'm going to let him tell you because it's way more fun. And he's showing me the bathrooms, and he says, look, these are so uh, handicapped-friendly. You can, and our leadership team is going, there's two bathrooms. <laughs> we're so excited. There's two bathrooms. No more awkward moments, right? And then we went to the banquet hall, and there were two more bathrooms. Like, our kids have their own bathrooms, and they're boys and girls. We're, and so we're looking at this, and we literally fell in love. And so on Friday, we saw the building on Thursday. We came back and met as a leadership team. We said, we've got to go after this. We've got to see what's going to happen. I spent all day trying to communicate with our national office as a denomination. Our denomination has an office called National Covenant Properties that functions as the lending arm of churches trying to purchase properties. So I spent all day on the phone with them, with Dale, and with our leadership team trying to stay in touch and say, "Here's, here's what we're thinking. Here's what it looks like. And we told Dale, we want to sit down and do this. We want to meet. We want to talk and figure out how this is going to work. Now, here's what Dale told me. Monday morning, I sat down with him. He said, I had two restaurants call me this weekend, and I told him I was waiting because I wanted to hear from you all. Isn't that cool? He'd make a lot more money from a restaurant. (laughs) And we sat down, and Monday, we signed a contingent offer. Okay, so here's, here's kind of the details of what this means. And we talked about this in our, our uh, meeting a couple weeks ago. But we are, at present, renting the Audrey's Restaurant Building and the large banquet hall in that block of buildings. Okay, with this, this rental, this is a contingent agreement to purchase just the restaurant at this point. Terry, do we have a picture of that? Can you bring that up? So if you look, you'll see 
um, the, the, the wooden side, that, that where it says Audrey's in station. We're going to change that, okay? <laughs> it's kind of confusing. I don't know if you knew this. This used to be the National Guard Armory pre-World War II. Let me just encourage you. There's 20 inches of poured concrete walls that are going to keep us really warm. <laughs> so that we are, we are renting the restaurant side. Half of our rent is going to a rent to own for the first couple months while we work out details with National Covenant Properties Office. We are also renting the large banquet hall, which is the next building over for kids town, for youth, for meetings, for whatever we need. Okay, We have an incredible amount of space in this place. The purpose of this, and, and also Dale has said, when he's ready to sell, when he's ready to retire, we will have first rate to purchase the rest of those buildings. So that entire space, God willing, will eventually become ours. So here's what's happening at this point. February 18th, National Covenant Properties, uh, two of their representatives, are coming to visit Buchanan, and that is going to push our loan application forward as long as they all feel really good about that. The biggest question I think that I would have if I were you and that I've, probably, I've heard a few times is what does that mean for our property that we own? So the plan as of right now, and, and let me just say this to you, okay? We are relying on the wisdom of our larger denomination. This is what's so good about being a part of a movement that has 800 churches nationwide. And I'm leaning on our leadership team. But the plan right now is, is hoping to hold on to that property as collateral for this purchase, that that's going to help us purchase this building without a huge down payment. Okay, what I would love to see, and I'm just telling you, this is my non-banking minded pastor heart speaking. Okay, so I'll follow this with something else. But what I would love to see is that we would continue to see this investment of the property, pay that property off. And down the road, when we're ready, when God opens the door to purchase the rest of these buildings, that we could sell that property and use the capital from that to go after these these other two banquet halls. Okay, what I promise is that my non-banking pastor heart is not making this decision. Okay, what I promise is that I am we are trusting the leadership of much wiser people than me. And if anything changes with this property, here's the deal. If we decide to sell this property, it comes before the congregation for a vote. We are a congregationally led church. So if you are a partner of this church, member of this church, none of this goes forward without you getting a chance to speak into it. So what I want to do today, I want to talk vision, but I also know details are important. That's what people tell me all the time. So let me just throw this out. Are there any questions about this? So I felt like we needed to kind of pause and just say, this is moving fast, and believe me, it's moving fast, but, but are there questions that you all have or things that you've been wondering about? There's no, no dumb questions. I would just love to hear if there's anything. Sounds good. Awesome. <laughs> let's, let's get out of here. We're cold. <laughs> anything at all. Great question. So there are lots of cosmetic things in these buildings that we want to change. A couple of them you can see. The signs, okay, although we're, we're going to figure out how to keep that station sign because it's pretty cool. Um, there are things in the building that we want to change. Probably to start, the focus, the effort is going to be getting everything moved out of here as quickly as possible and getting everything cleaned really well in there. Now, I will say, I think I have a little bit of a post-traumatic syndrome because every time I'm in there, I'm like, really, this is this nice? You pressure wash shelves for us? Like you, there's, there's just a sense where you guys, I think, are going to be amazed at how much space, how much room, how nice things are when we walk in there. But we want to get this ready. Part of that ties to vision, and I'll, I'll explain that in a little bit. But, but eventually, down the road, when we purchase, if the sale goes through and everything looks great, 
on the restaurant, we will definitely be looking at some changes. I know that the worship team, Jason, the tech team are already talking about how do we change the stage in there? Um, how, how do we make some tweaks in there? There's a big, really pretty florally mural in the room. That's going to go away. Um, so there's going to be lots of, lots of stuff changing. But yeah, good question. Anything else? Yes. No, Pam, we're not keeping the bar. <laughs> yep. So the booths are out, the tables will be out, um, and the bar is going to stay until our sale goes through. He does not want to remove the bar yet, and I don't blame him. It, it, the, the craftsmanship in that is beautiful. Here's what we're going to do. February 10th, if you want to be baptized, we're going to baptize you right in that bar area. <laughs> Our trough is going right in there. Yes. <laughs> so it's perfect. So chairs may be a little tight in there at first till that bar is gone, but, but that, will be, that will be removed once, once sale goes through. <laughs> We're a little unconventional. Anything else? Uh, no comment. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Abby and her team and Justin Dines and his team, we're going to get in there this week and really map that out. Um, it's actually probably in there is, is a little office that is probably going to function as our nursery at first. Um, that's, that's the one piece we got to work out. But we've got enough of these type of curtains and things that we'll be able to set up and divide the room and, and work through all that. I will also say uh, Justin and I and the youth team have already been kind of dreaming about some of our youth emphasis, so we'll still have something for middle school for sure and possibly high school on Sunday mornings, but some of the emphasis really going to a night just for middle school and high school in this building where we want to build a team of people so you're going to get recruited to come serve food because we've got a really nice kitchen um, to kids and just create a space where youth, middle school, and high school can come and just say, let's bring our friends, let's make this super fun and, and really crazy. So that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. But yeah, that, that's all going to get mapped out this week. Yeah? Great question. So you will see this when we get there, where the building, the restaurant building is, and then the banquet hall. No, we're not going to have a building. There are no, or a door. There are no doors in between those buildings. Um, because of 20 inches of poured concrete. I mean, that's, that's literally what exists there. Here's what I like about that. Um, parents, when you take your kids to Kidstown on Sunday, February 10th, you will check them in right at the front door of the banquet hall. There will be a welcome counter. We will, we will receive them. And then you're gone, and it is the secure location. It is a place where our kids, and if you have friends, if you, if you bring your kids somewhere, I want to know they're going to be safe. So they're going to check them in. They're going to be safe. You can drop them off before the service. Same thing for the nursery. Eventually, if we can, we'd like to move the nursery into the restaurant space so that the babies can be there. I think there's actually room, and we'll, we'll give tours next Sunday, but I think there's actually room where we could open up some walls and put a window in so that there's actually a cry room for nursing moms uh, as well as the nursery. So there's going to just be great possibilities there. So other, other questions? Okay. Feel free to email, to message, to just simply talk to me uh, and ask our leadership team as well. Please, and, and we'll take some time today to pray, but be praying about this as we continue to move forward. I want to look at um, 
a, a, a set of verses with you very briefly today. I'm not going to take long with this, but Exodus chapter 12 is, is where we're going to be. We'll have this on the screen, but Exodus chapter 12, um, the Israelites have been in slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh for about 400 years, right? And they have been living in this, this posture of servanthood to a people that are not their own. And so God calls Moses, you know this story because you've watched Disney movies, God calls Moses to lead his people out of slavery. And Moses, with his brother Aaron, go and they perform kind of all these signs and wonders for Pharaoh. And then there's like all these plagues, frogs and gnats and blood in the water. You remember these stories? And, and the last plague is the suffering of the firstborn of Egypt. And so right after this happens is when Pharaoh, his heart suddenly breaks and he goes, you got to get all your people out of there. We can't stand this anymore. So look at verse 31 of Exodus 12. Here's what it says. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you've said and go. And also bless me. This is 400 years of slavery. And Pharaoh says, it's over. We can't handle this anymore. Verse 33. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. Now, this is the verse that I want you to see. Verse 34, this is what I want you to grab onto today. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added. This is bread dough. And carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. Now, I read this verse probably six or seven years ago for the first time, and I'm reading and I'm going, God is slaughtering the firstborn, and this plague is happening on the, the Egyptians, and now they're setting the Israelites free. What the heck does bread, though, have to do with this? Because it says that, 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 that Moses rounded the people up and they grabbed what they were making for bread, but it was before the yeast was added, and they wrapped it on their shoulders in these kneading troughs, and they began to leave. And I don't think I really recognize kind of the, the implications of this until I really this week started kind of processing what this was about. Because think about this. When you add yeast to bread, what are you adding to it? No, she- no chefs in the Living life, right? You're adding the living part of the bread, the thing that makes it rise, the thing that makes it come to life. And God says, I want you to take your, your dough, but don't add the living stuff yet. Just get out of here. And I, I thought about that, and there's a, couple, there, there's a couple things that I want to draw out of this for you. First, and, and this doesn't relate to the bread, though. I'll come back to that. But I, I think we could say this. God is just as active in the difficult as he is in the joyful. See, God is just as at work, just as intentional, just as purposeful in the difficult parts of your life as he is in the joyful. Now listen, the, you guys are like, yes, we're the Israelites in slavery in this building. No, the Israelites were there for 400 years. We've been here for five and a half. God is just as active in the difficult as he is in the joyful. Look at what God has done in spite of this building. Think about this. A hundred people, hundred and now 10 or 15 people in the past six and a half years have made first time commitments to Christ. I count that number way more than I count attendance. I looked last night, 55 people in the life of New Community Buchanan have been baptized. It's incredible. Six children have been baptized. Uh, I can't remember how many kids have been dedicated. You guys are really good at procreating. Like all that stuff has taken place. And can I just tell you this? Some of you refuse to believe me. I say this all the time. These are the good old days right now. 
We're going to look back down the road, and these are the good old days. Some of you are going to go, do you remember when we set up the VFW and moved those? Wasn't that great? Can I say this to you? I've never had more men involved in ministry than I have at the VFW. Because the men showed up. They moved stuff. They talked. They fellowshiped. Now we say, men, come to the Bible study. I don't want to do that. See, we need that. These are the good old days. God is just as active in the difficult as he is in the joyful. Now, here's the second thing that I think this passage really points us to. And I think this is the point of, uh, of God saying, just gather up your bread. Don't, go. Don't, add the, don't add the yeast. We could say this. Following Christ always requires traveling light. It always demands of us, if you're going to follow Jesus, that you would stay lightweight spiritually, emotionally, relationally, that you would be in a posture of saying, God, I'm flexible. When we train mission teams every year, the the phrase we say, stay flexible, stay ready. Here's your schedule, but it's going to change. Be ready. Can you imagine if Jesus looked at you and said, here's all the things that are going to happen over the next 30 years of your life? Many of you are, are, are thinking, I would love that. That would be awesome. And I'm thinking, no, you wouldn't. If he showed you, you would run the other way like Jonah. You'd run away from it because what it will demand of you to follow Christ is to stay light, to stay dependent. God says, the living part of the bread, don't put that in there because I'm the living part of your life. You have to trust me. You have to stay lightweight. And friends, I want to say to you, I hope all goes well with this building. I hope that our purchase is incredible, and I hope, listen, this is my prayer. Don't don't share this, okay? My prayer is that my new friend Dale eventually joins our church and says, I'll give you the rest of the building. That's what I'm asking Jesus for. Now, you're laughing, but I know stories of that happening. I want to see those things. But as a church, as a new community, our identity, we'd better stay lightweight and high impact. We had better stay dependent on God. See, what if it doesn't go well? What if we get in there and two months from now the the bank says, "Eh, we don't know if this is going to work. Do we follow Christ just as much if it doesn't work out the way we want? You want to know why I don't sleep on Saturday nights? Because of those questions. See, when the Israelites, and this is the part of the story that we don't talk about. When the Israelites left slavery, they went to the wilderness. And what happened, right? They'd spent 400 years in slavery, and God says, I'm setting you free. And they're like, this is amazing. Let's cross the Red Sea. And they get across the Red Sea, and suddenly God's like, okay, now you got to wander a little bit, like for 40 more years. It's going to be okay. 400. This is one-tenth of that. You're going to be okay. And they're in the wilderness, and they look at Moses, and they go, we should have gone back to Egypt. It was better there. right? See, they weren't staying lightweight. And I want us to live in that space where we're continually lightweight and high impact and depending on God for the living parts of who we are. Now, I want to show you one more verse, a set of verses. John 6, Jesus picks up this theme of the bread. He picks up this idea. So do you remember, pop, pop quiz, right? Egypt or the Israelites end up in the wilderness and they don't have any food. What does God give them? Remember? Manna. And manna mean, literally means, what is it? Right? What is it? Because they would wake up in the morning and there would be pieces, wafers on the ground of manna. And they were walking around going, manna, manna, manna. What is it? Right? Taco, taco, taco. That's the thing. What is it? What is it? What is it? Let's call it manna. And they began to eat the manna, and that was their bread that sustained them through the wilderness. So when Jesus is teaching his followers in John 6, this is amazing. This is fascinating to me. The first five chapters of John, Jesus builds an incredible ministry. He's doing miracles. He's healing people. He's calling his followers, and his ministry is exploding. But then he gets to a point. Look at John 6, verse 48. He says, I am the bread of life. 
He says, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. They ate something that was sustaining them then, but it didn't sustain them forever. But verse 50, but here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So all these people that have seen Jesus uh, do these miracles, and now they're following him. They're excited. What what is this guy going to do for me? He made someone who was blind see. He brought somebody who was dead back to life. What's he going to do for me? And he says, you got to eat my flesh. That's what he says. He's talking about his suffering. He says, I'm going to die for the sake of your salvation. Look at verse 53. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, friends, this is not easy. Picture this. We get in our new building. We got 500 people, and the preaching's awesome, and the worship team's awesome, and the greeters are awesome, and the kids' town team's awesome. And I get up, and I go, listen, if you're going to follow us, you got to eat my flesh. That's the moment. He's inviting his crowd to this invasion of the darkness. He says, I'm going to suffer like nobody's ever suffered in order to bring hope and light and love as a movement into the world. But it comes through suffering, and you got to be a part of this. Now, look at verse 60. I love this response. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then I always found this funny, verse 66, John 6, verse 66 From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. See, here's the last thing that I want you to grab onto today as we're in the midst of this movement. If love is our movement, it's always going to cost us something. It's always going to cost us something. If love is truly the movement, all the things that you've been hearing about, love jumps in the pool. Love goes to the places where God has called us. Love loves the you beside you. Love works in those ways. Love learns to see, as Carrie shared with you last week. If love is our movement, it is going to cost us something. Can I say this a different way? It is going to cost you something. See, as cold as this building is, as wet as this building is at times, I hope that it has not allowed your faith to be convenient. So church, I just want to cast vision for you to say this. We need you in this with us. We're taking steps of faith and courage, I believe, and and wisdom. But if you're not tithing regularly to this church, if you're not giving faithfully, we need you in this with us. Can I just say this, especially in the summer? Especially in the summer, we need you to go online and set it up so that your giving is faithful. We need you serving. The statistics, the best statistics I've found say that when a church enters a new building, that they see 10 to 20% growth simply because it's new and people want to come check it out. So I want you to think about that. If we average 200 people on a Sunday or 225 people on a Sunday, here's what that means. Over the next three or four months, we will see 20 to 40 new people. Every single Sunday. Think about that. People that maybe don't know Christ. People that maybe have never had an encounter with a church like ours. People that have never had their children loved like they're loved in Kidstown. Parents that are bringing teenagers that are going, we don't know what to do. We're losing our teenagers. Over the next three or four months, they're going to be stepping in our doors for the first time. People that have wanted to come out or check out, come check out our church who maybe have not had the ability to walk upstairs 
who are going to be walking in. We have to be aware of these things. And we need you not just tithing, but serving. If you have been a chair sitter, I know we used to have pew sitters. You grew up in churches with pews, but now we got chair sitters. If you've been a chair sitter, we need you in the game with us. We need you inviting people. We need you praying. Next Sunday, I'm going to have a sign up. And here's what we're going to do for the week of February 3rd through February 10th. We're going to have people praying at least every day, hopefully every hour on the day for this whole launch. And then Saturday the 9th, we're going to have 24 hours of prayer. And what I'm going to do is every hour, somebody's going to be saying, I'm going to be praying. You don't have to pray for a full hour, but we're saying every hour we're praying for what God wants to do in this church. This is the call God has given to it. It's going to cost us something. So as we close today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite us into a time of prayer. I thought, what better way to close our time in this building? Aren't we excited to close our time in this building? Like when we close this prayer, there's, yeah, there's no amen. We're just going to say, let's go. Okay, that's, that's what we're doing. But as a church, I want us to continue to grow in prayer. Now, I'm about to freak many of you out, okay? So just know it's coming. I'm inviting you in the last eight to ten minutes of this service that we're going to have a concert of prayer. Here's what that means. I'm inviting you into groups of three or four, okay? Some of you just automatically, I'm leaving, okay? That's fine. Maybe you need to just pray on your own. I get it. I, I know that's, that's hard. I'm an introvert. I understand that. But we're going to pray. And I'm going to lead you through some specific topics, some specific things to pray about. So I want you to just round up two or three people around you. Maybe if you're just super freaked out by this, just pray on your own. That's fine. But we're going to be the church and we're going to actually close a time and move into a new building space by praying together. So let's, let's just begin this time of prayer. Just, just move. You can circle. You can move uh, bodies, chairs, however you want to do that.